0: Herb Jones opened the game the other night by making a three. If he improves on the offensive end, this Pelicans team might be the best offense in the league. Plus, opposing GMs seem to be taking a little let's wait and see approach, though they seemingly are optimistic about the Pelicans. And are there future head coaches on the roster? Let's break it down in Thursday's episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Thursday, we are a day away from the Friday show. I got Will Guillory of The Athletic coming on tomorrow's show with me. That's going to be a lot of fun. Get you set for two preseason games this weekend and the only home one on Friday tomorrow as well. But today, I want to look at Herb Jones. And no, I don't have an update on his injury from leaving the game with a rib contusion, but he opened the game hitting a three, and he looked like a different offensive player. I want to see what that means for this Pelicans team. We'll look at the NBA GM survey as well. There was a couple of interesting things that found out. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. So whether you're a new listener who just tuned in because you're excited about the Pelicans season, welcome. And if you've been with me for any period of time, I appreciate you making Locked On Pelicans part of your day. So Herb Jones, other than the injury, looked pretty good the other night. And we know what we're going to get out of him. He's locked in as a starter, locked on as a starter. He's going to give you near all-team all, all team defense, basically. He should have been on that roster last year. But what he struggled with at times was his offensive game, particularly shooting. He started the season pretty well and then kind of seemed to as the season went on really started to fall off in terms of three-point shooting and he was further along than any of us thought he would be that's the reason he went in the second round partially his age but also partially because people didn't think he had much offense to it but he played well and he played well enough offensively to make it worthwhile to keep him out there because his defense was so good but he looked like a different player in that first preseason game against the Chicago Bulls. He opened the game by making a three, the first points of the night for New Orleans. And when you watched his shot, the mechanics of it, it's it's different. That release he had was lightning fast. It was really quick. You didn't see that from him last year, a little bit slow developing shot. But as he stood in the corner, willing to get that pass, it was all by design, and I think that comes from him being an offensive, a better offensive player and working you know, in the lab with Fred Vincent. This guy who basically spent all summer in the gym training, practicing, playing, shooting. He didn't take vacations. He went fishing once, is what he told us. So it's no surprise to see his offensive game look better, and he was aggressive. He was attacking. He was cutting. He was looking for his shot more, and maybe that helped because Brandon Ingram was out of the game, so that's one less person who really needs the ball. But if Herb Jones can show an improved offensive game and better shot mechanics, the league better look out. You already have so many threats with Zion, CJ McCollum, and Brandon Ingram that it's easy and understandable if teams are like, we're we're not going to defend Herb Jones on offense. And last year, they could have gotten away with that. I'm not so sure this year. And you saw it opened up the Pelicans offense. They played fast. That starting lineup played fast. They wanted to get out and run and take shots early on in the shot clock, even when they weren't in transition. And one of the hallmarks of that was you saw them pass to the two corner spots, the corner threes, early in transition in the shot clock. When someone grabbed the defensive board and went out, almost always the first pass was to one of the short corners, seeing if maybe they could just get a good look, rip the shot, goes in great. If not, just you already kind of got everyone back because you pushed the ball so far ahead with just two players. That you're back, you're, already, you're not giving up transition opportunities. So if he is making those shots, I don't know how defenses and opponents are really supposed to defend that sort of thing. It's terrifying, right? You can try and slow down Zion and take away him and not let him get a pass in transition. But then you've got Herb Jones there with that new release mechanic, new shot mechanic, ready to drain a three. It's not going to do that every time, but it's giving the Pelicans an option to get the ball right there. And because the short corner, it's called the short corner, it's shorter, that's a highly efficient shot. Teams usually shoot about 40% from there. Teams respect that. There's a reason why on almost every single set play in the half court, you see one of the corners filled by a player. And it's more just there to anchor a defender, or at least put him in a mid-ground that it opens up the paint a little bit, a little bit. Which is still tough to do for Zion, as I've repeatedly said. But Herb Jones being able to drain that three and watching this team try and play fast, that gets me excited. But you also saw him dishing and driving when he gets the ball. If there's a closeout onto that corner three, he's going to feel very comfortable driving baseline. And then dumping it off to Jonas Valanciunas or Jackson Hayes. I believe he had one of those in that game or better yet, a guy like Zion Williamson. It just adds another offensive threat. You need to make teams pay for doubling Zion, for doubling B.I., for doubling C.J. McCollum. If they do that, someone's going to be open. It won't be Brandon Ingram or C.J. if they're doubling Zion. They're going to have two guys, you know, one guy on each of those two. That's four defenders accounted for for three players. So Herb Jones might well be open. And if he gets and makes the most of those opportunities, your offense soars, soars. And it's going to also allow you to play quick and fast, which this team really wants to do. They can be a lethal transition team this year. And if teams go, okay, Herb Jones is good offensively now, we got to cover him. Well, that's five defenders accounted for at that point. This is a little bit simplistic, I agree, but it's still kind of the, the underlying sense of what's going on there. And so Herb Jones being able to take that leap offensively, committing himself to being in the gym all summer long, I don't know. I don't know how teams are supposed to defend this Pelicans offense. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. They should finish in the top five, if not number one overall. And if Herb Jones is making threes, if Herb Jones is making threes and giving you the defense that he, he has there, and handling the ball too, which he did a lot of at Alabama, like look out, NBA. And the NBA might be sleeping on the Pelicans just a little bit. We got the annual GM survey courtesy of NBA.com. Let's get into some of the highlights there. What do they think about the Pelicans? What theme really emerged? Because there definitely was one. That's going to come up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Also, you want any of your NBA futures? Willie Green, Coach of the Year, Zion MVP. Pelicans to win the championship after that dominant forty point first quarter against the Chicago Bulls. You can do it all over at betonline.net. So find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game you can find. It's also the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite uh, games and events and get the scores right there. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening today. betonline.net, bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking it all down. Whether you're a new listener, you've been with me for a while, I appreciate you making Locked On Pelicans part of your day. Number one thing if you want to support the show is tell me if you like soccer down below in the comments. No, I'm kidding. You know, just comment down below on YouTube. Are you more or less excited about the Pelicans after that first preseason game? And as we talk about it in this segment, do you think the rest of the NBA is sleeping on the Pelicans a little bit? And now for your next listen, check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview starting October 10th. Six episodes to get you ready for the NBA season. Local team experts, myself included, and NBA Insiders, the Locked On Podcast Network, and Odyssey, all combining into one Ultimate NBA Preview. October 10th, search Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the annual GM survey came out, and this is always a a fun exercise. Every GM votes or they delegate it to someone else, and you can't vote for people, players associated with your own team. So it gives you a little bit in, of insight into what the, the top decision makers around the league really think. They can sometimes be very frickin' wrong. <laughs> they all picked the Lakers to win the West last year. That didn't end up happening. And by the way, if you watched the Wimbanyama-Henderson game the other night while the Pelicans game was going on, oh boy, do we hope the Lakers suck this year and give the Pelicans either the top or second pick in the draft in what is going to be like a historic draft, it seems like. Wimbanyama with 37 points, he's seven four. He has an 8-foot wingspan and he drains seven threes. Like if, if we weren't rooting for a team that was good, like the Pelicans are going to be, I would, I would be all aboard the tank and would be encouraging it so much for a player of that caliber who looks like nothing we've ever seen in the NBA before. But people do think the Pelicans are going to be good. But just how good is, I think, up for debate? They did the Western Conference rankings, where you have to rank your top four in the Western Conference. The Pelicans did get one vote for fourth. And this is kind of indicative of the way GMs really felt about this team. It seems like there's a lot of praise for the Pelicans, but they're a little bit cautious on trying to predict how good they're going to be. Just one person voted for the Pelicans to finish in the top four, and that was fourth. Now, the West is tough. Six teams got votes in the East for the top four spots. Nine teams in the West got votes. But you can see teams are a little or gms are a little bit cautious when it comes to this pelicans team zion got votes for breakout player which feels like cheating a a little bit i think since he's kind of already broken out and you're just saying that because he missed last year but it does seem that people realize how good he is and he can carry this team kind of far and they also said which team will be most improved in 2021 2022 the clippers ran away with this one finishing first with 41% of the vote because they're going to get Kawhi Leonard back. They're going to get Paul George for the whole season. That's going to make them significantly better. Tied for second was the Cleveland Cavaliers and New Orleans Pelicans. The Cavs obviously improved from their young talent with Evan Mobley, but also added Donovan Mitchell. And New Orleans just building off of last year's success and adding Zion Williamson back into the mix. They seem that to feel that this team is much, much better than they were a season ago, when they made the postseason through the play-in tournament. But really, things started to turn around when they traded for C.J. McCollum. Not too bad. Which rookie will be the best player in five years? Didn't finish in the top five voting in this, but Dyson Daniels did get votes in this, probably one, two, something along those lines. I do think the Pelicans actually got two votes, sorry, for finishing fourth, not just one. So Dyson Daniels got a vote here, I'm guessing, to finish in there. They He also got a vote for being uh, the biggest steal where he was selected, which eight overall... If you're getting a steal at eight, that seems pretty good. You're getting a very solid player there. Willie Green gets some praise, and this is deserved. Which head coach is the best manager, motivator of people? Willie Green got a vote for this one. Steve Kerr ran away with it. It was finished then, followed by Monty Williams, Eric Spolstra, Ty Lue, Greg Popovich, and then Willie Green from New Orleans, and Taylor Jenkins from Memphis. I think he's still a little underrated in that category. You know, In terms of best manager motivator of people, we've seen Willie Green do it. That's what he does, right? He connects with guys. Being a former player, I think, really helps him in that regard. He did not get votes for which head coach makes best in-game adjustments. Yeah, we kind of figured that. Doesn't get votes for which is the best head coach in the NBA or which coach runs the best offense or defensive schemes. I think that's fine. I think that's totally fine that he doesn't get votes in those categories. But the fact that he gets votes for best manager, motivator, of people, we see it on a nightly basis. The you-gotta-fight speech, right? After the, the debacle that was turning into the Clippers game, which turned that whole thing around. He has room to improve, too. Too many Garrett Temple minutes, maybe. If this team is successful, you're going to see them... All over the place on this survey next year, you'll see David Griffin getting votes for executive of the year, right? which is the best front office guy, which coach is the best. It's Willie Green will get strong consideration for that. This means that the NBA is sleeping a little bit, not much, a little bit on the Pelicans. What I thought was arguably the most interesting thing that they were chosen with here was which team's level of success this season is toughest to predict. They finished tied for 4th, two votes. I don't disagree with that. They're going to be good, right? We know that they're going to be good. How good? I'm not sure. Will they be the 5 seed, the 6 seed? They could be, but the West is tough, the West is deep. That might screw with them a little bit. That goes back to what we talked about on Media Day and right after Media Day of what are the expectations for this team? And I do think Garrett Temple said it pretty succinctly: If we reach our potential, we, it's, it, that's the success we want. The rest of the chips fall where they may. You can't control only, in, you know, other than the four games you play against them, how many wins the Dallas Mavericks are going to have. Same for the Minnesota, uh, not the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies. You can just control what you can control, which is play your best basketball. You'll win games if you do that. Is it going to be enough? I'm not sure to be in the top six. It could be, but if they finish seventh, eighth, and they've done everything they can, and we look at this team, we're like, damn, the West. I'm okay with that, and I think that's where this comes into play, which team success is toughest to predict. It feels like New Orleans should be out of the play in tournament, but there's still a very realistic chance that they're going to stay in it just because of the West. That doesn't mean that they were a bad team or that they were disappointing, and I think... Opposing GMs really start to see that. I think they're also still a little skeptical of Zion Williamson and just this team in general. They haven't really proven anything just yet. This is the season to do it. Do that, and they're going to be all over this survey in the future. Zion, by the way, did get votes, uh, finished fourth with most athletic. And then finally, there's one other category which I thought was interesting, which New Orleans had plenty of representation on. Which active player will make the best head coach someday. Pelicans actually placed two guys on this. I want to look at that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you for making Locked on Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking everything down. Tomorrow, Will Guillory of The Athletic is going to be my guest on the show. We're going to look at the past preseason game. We're going to look to this weekend we got some other topics. We'll have a little bit of fun on that one, too. So I'm excited to get Will on there. You might have just seen him on TV with me on WDSU, as well as we helped Fletcher Mackle with his season preview, which killed it in the ratings. Go Fletcher and everyone loving the Pelicans right now. It's like the only Pels-centered show on any of the local stations. And it did really well. It tells you all you need to know about how excited people are about this Pelicans team. So Will Guillory joining me on tomorrow's show. Today we were talking about the NBA GM survey. Which active player will make the best head coach someday? It's not going to surprise you that Chris Paul won this with 32% of the vote. Number two surprised me, though. Garrett Temple finished second, 14%. And then after that was C.J. McCollum finishing seventh. Others, there are plenty of other players who got one vote, including former Pelican Rajon Rondo. But to see the Pelicans put two guys there? Okay. Now, I don't want one of them getting very many minutes in Garrett Temple, and a lot of people are complaining about how he's taking up a roster spot, and to a degree, you're, you're not wrong on that, but when you have a guy that has that kind of weight around the league with a young team that's growing, that at times is in need of, hey, like, calm down, coach these guys up, be an extension of head coach Willie Green, Garrett Temple's a useful player to have. Would we like to use that spot for EJ Liddell or anyone in free agency yes but it's not like you're stuck with a deadweight contract of you know 15 plus million on a guy who doesn't play at least this is a five million dollar contract on a guy that is doing some really good work in the locker room and you saw it during this preseason game he was talking Dyson Daniels ear off the whole time trying to coach him up help him and let him understand what he needs to be doing on the bench and out there on the court for a young team there's value in that there's value in that We don't love it. You could be doing that from the bench. You could be doing that in a nice suit as a coach, and you know he would wear a suit. But it's useful. If it's going to be your last guy on the bench, you could do worse than Garrett Temple, giving that kind of advice, coaching these young guys up, and just kind of being there for them. CJ is also an important one in this because this is a star player. This is a guy that can also lead by example. And when you're on the court, if you screw up, maybe you don't listen to Garrett Temple or maybe you just don't care but if C.J. McCollum comes to you and is like, hey, do this, do this, whatever it might be, you're, you're going to listen. It got Zion, he, he's the guy who got Zion back early last season. So C.J. McCollum on here doesn't surprise me, though I wouldn't have thought of him off the top of my head if someone had asked me that question. But he definitely kind of fits that mold. And you can see him now really calling the plays. He was doing it the other night in a way that he was not able to do it before because he didn't know the playbook. And you don't run plays every single time. You have certain actions you do and things like that. But it's not like you're, you know, football, you're, you're calling plays into the huddle and then you go and do it every trip down the court. But CJ just being able to organize players and then off-court stuff get through to that. Herb Jones went up to him, Aaron Summers told the story and said like, hey, how long should I take off? What do you do? And CJ gave him his advice and then Herb Jones didn't listen and only took a couple of days off. But having that type of player who's a star player that goes, hey, you need a break because you're you're working too hard and we need you for the season. They will listen to him. And that's going to be a real strong quality as a head coach in the league if this is what he wants to do. I think he's going to end up going into media, and as I think that could be what he's interested in. Or he owns a vineyard. Maybe it's something else. Not basketball-related, or you could do all of the above. But having two guys in the locker room to kind of keep their ship steady in a season where they do have expectations for the first time, I'm cool with it. Especially when one CJ McCollum, Garrett Temple, we wish you the best. We wish you the best if you're here. But if he's traded or something, that's probably okay too. But with C.J. McCollum, that's only a good thing. So the GM survey, they liked the Pelicans, but don't like them that much and are a little wary of what to pick with them, which I think is fine. There's a slight bit of sleeping on the Pelicans going on here. Is that your feeling after reading this GM survey, hearing me talk about it? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And i will be back with y'all tomorrow with Will Guillory of The Athletic.